This is the Out of Time Film Podcast, where your hosts, Tom and John, discuss everything from blockbuster films to TV and games like there's no tomorrow. And welcome to the Out Time Film Podcast. My name is Tom, and as always, I'm joined with my co-host John. And this week, we're talking about The Mandalorian season three. Ooh, wow! It's been a long time since it season has. two, hasn't it? Yeah, it was December 2020. That feels ages ago. This is our 140th episode of the podcast, wow. and we did Mandalorian chapter nine, which is the first episode of season two, and that was our tenth episode of the podcast. So that oh wow. How how delightfully weird to look back two years ago, that wonderful video with only 60 views, still to this day, wow. doing, yeah. doing Mandalorian Chapter 9. It's such a weird thing to think about because, you know, we've been doing a lot of episodes, we just talked so much, and then we got back into Mandalorian. So it is it's a weird process once you've been like talking for a yeah. long time. It's a full but, circle yeah. moment. We've got quite a couple of full circle moments this year with Oppenheimer coming out and obviously our first video was on Tenet, Christopher Nolan, but we're here to talk about The Mandalorian. So full spoilers ahead for anyone who hasn't seen it. Briefly explain the plot for those who don't know. Okay. A bounty hunter traveling to Mandalore to redeem his past transgressions with his adopted son Grogu and being aided on their journey by fellow Mandalorian Bo-Katan Kreese. Okay, yes, brilliant. So, as you said, it's been a while since we've had any Mandalorian. Obviously, we had Book of Boba Fett, which we did a video on. What did you think of this season? Um, <laughs> um, I don't know what to say. Okay, I want to be honest. Yeah. I didn't particularly enjoy this one, like okay. this entire season. There have some been ups and downs on this mm. one. I really liked episode three because they brought in new concepts into that, which I was like, this is great. This is, you're getting like a new perspective and it's great. It's just like a great opportunity to use that. And I was like, oh, this is a show about the Mandalorian. Uh, but I, I didn't mind that episode. I thought that was a great, you know, exploration of the scientist that was in the first two seasons. And I thought, you know, it was a great way to explore that character. And they used that really well for the third episode. But then again, this is a really strange season to go through. Because once you've gone through the first two seasons, you're just like, wow, this is like really good stories, you know, to traverse through with this Mandalorian character and this creature that is Grogu. It's a really good story. But then something went wrong. The Book of Boba Fett. And I want to say that's a, that's a, that's a good show. But yeah. I thought that was a bit of a downfall into this show. Because I thought if you could have taken Grogu out, a whole new story would be really interesting. But yeah, that's how I felt. What about you? Yeah, no, I think, you know, I agreed. I've struggled with this season. I didn't dislike it. I had fun with it. And, and I think that there's value to that. But I would agree with you that this show, it, it, it doesn't hit as it used to. And that's a real shame. I would agree that episode three, I thought, was the best. And there are definitely a couple of factors that I think are why. But I think definitely one thing that this show is struggling with is Jon Favreau is the main writer. And basically, he's writing every episode this season. And one of the only ones, and maybe even the only one that he didn't write, was episode three. And I think you can tell that he was only a co-writer on that episode because so much of it had so much more subtlety and so much more depth that... 
you know, is there. Of course it's there in the rest of the season. I think there is some really good stuff in there. But also, this season felt like it just blasted past things. You could easily split these eight episodes into 16. You could take this story and stretch it over two seasons. And I think in many ways, that's what maybe they wanted to do. I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on for a moment and i'm gonna oh, no. i'm gonna i'm gonna make a theory which i think you know isn't necessarily uncommon but i don't think there right. are definitely some contextual factors to this season pedro pascal has become such a bigger star after yeah. this series and obviously he made the last of us which obviously he's in that the whole time he's not wearing a helmet or anything like that and i think that what has happened here is that he wasn't available to shoot over a bit of time and so instead of making mandalorian season three they made the book of boba fett and then the mandalorian season three and pedro pascal isn't really in either of them he's doing the voiceover but he's not on set obviously you've got brendan wayne you've got latif crowder who are also in the suit and you know their work has to be acknowledged because they're great. They get starring spots in the credits this season. That's awesome. But obviously, Din doesn't remove his helmet this season. And and that's very obvious. That's very noticeable. And you can tell that Pedro isn't there. On the other hand, you've got Rangers of the New Republic, which they announced, but then isn't moving ahead anymore. So you can tell that quite a few of those storylines with Carson Tava and Coruscant and the New Republic, that, that stuff in episode three, as we're saying, that stuff feels like it went from that show into this show. And obviously, they also have to deal with the fact that in Book of Boba Fett, they reunited Din and Grogu, which in a lot of ways felt like it was going to be the narrative thrust of this season. My point is, there's a lot going on that it feels like behind the scenes stuff really unfortunately affected this season. Yeah, you can really see that with the messy direction it was going to with this entire season, because, you know, like. Here's what I thought originally before, you know, watching the show was that it was only going to be focused on Din and the other Mandalorians taking back Mandalore, which they do, but they don't really go into the whole deal, which is just only in two episodes. Like they take back a bit of. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of easy. <laughs> yeah, it, they're like, oh, okay. But I wish there was a more, I would say always more emotional weight, but I wish there was more time to go through that. Because as always, I always say like filler, there was a lot of filler in my opinion Mm. in this whole show because they were like, oh, can this character do this? And can this character do that? Again, I know they were trying to show like, hey, we want to show you some character development or character dynamic between the other characters. But no, it, it just didn't really work with the conflicting tensions that's happening between Moff Gideon. And I completely forgot, like, Moff Gideon when watching halfway the show. I was like, oh, yeah, Moff Gideon, he's been gone somewhere and no one knows what it is. And it, they just completely ignore that, like, halfway through this season. It's, like, hinted, like, oh, he's, he's he has made trial or something. And he just only appears in the final few episodes. And Yeah, that's a the... weird thing that all the seasons have done. They don't introduce the villain, like, the main villain, until, like, episode seven. And that yeah. works in season one. It kind of works in season two. But I think here it, it suffers because we don't see him for so long. Yeah. And the other problem I have as well, like, you know, we didn't explore much of Mandalore. But the fact that the villains were already there... I thought, you know, like the other Mandalorians and Din would arrive on Mandalore early in the season and then you would explore Mandalore, but there's something wrong with it. And then they'll find out it's the Empire, like within Mandalore. And it'll be really interesting concept, you know, like there's something wrong with it. But no, it was just going to all different directions. Like, you know, the episode with Jack Black and Lizzo and Christopher <laughs> Oh Lloyd. boy. Oh boy, yeah, I know that episode. Um, 
it was such a weird episode to put in. Like, yeah, I know it was trying to show like the amnesty program with Jack Black's character and mm. trying to get the other Mandalorians to join Bo Katan, but I just felt like, oh, they're just doing this now. Oh, okay. And you got a lot of cameos. Like, Rebel fans are must be really happy. Uh, I can confirm. Yes, we are. Oh. <laughs> Seeing yeah. Zeb in episode Zeb. Yeah, Zeb, six, yeah. I want to say five or six. That was just really cool. It, it was. I unfortunately saw that online beforehand. And it was, oh, it, it, no. it crushed me. But no, it was a delightful little cameo. And there are some really exciting things coming for the future. You can tell, I think that Dave Filoni especially is excited to get to the Ahsoka stuff. And John, I don't oh, know if is. you've seen the Ahsoka trailer, but damn, that looks amazing. Like, I, I'm uh, really excited it, for Ahsoka it, because I because I believe that Dave Filoni really wants to tell this story. And there are elements of me that I think maybe they're getting a little bit tired of this Mandalorian story. And they want it to become part of the bigger story with the Empire and the New Republic. And that's why it felt like a lot of this season was very quickly trying to wrap up some of those plot threads from seasons one and two. I think to its credit, this season is more focused than season two. In the sense that it doesn't dart around as much. For that, I give it a big old thumbs up. But I think you're right. When the episodes aren't necessarily to do with the main kind of story, it feels so off. Like, I didn't dislike the Jack Black and Lizzo episode. But why is it in episode six? Like, you're right. Why is it there? Maybe it was early in the season. I'd get it. But no, they, they, they place it very strangely when we really should, as you're saying, we should be building up towards Mandalore. And that shouldn't just be a two episode thing. You're right. They could have just spent a whole season on there. And everything blows by so fast. Things will just happen. And then the next episode would be like, ah, anyway, like episode five, the pirates that ends with all the Mandalorians taking a shop on Navarro and Grief Karga is like, hey guys, well done. You guys can have this land. You can be part of Navarro. And they're like, great. Two episodes later, bearing in mind we don't really spend any time on Navarro in Guns for Hire, episode six. By the time we get to episode seven, they're like, yeah, we're going to Mandalore. And it's like, what was the point of having this thing where they say, hey, we might might not have our home, but we have this home. And it's just kind of like, I don't dislike any of it like individually, but I feel like it just, you know, it doesn't really jive well when you look at it in sequence. Yeah. One of the most annoying things for me was they just completely ignore the scientists from episode three. Like, I thought they were going to set up that character arc, like this character development, you know, like he's going to fully help the Republic. But no, they just completely ignore that whole story. Like, they just like completely moved on and then they just don't have any, well, not callbacks for anything to it. I mean, Moff Gideon was talking about the scientists, but there wasn't really anything linking back to it because that was a great episode. I thought it was going to set up like this character arc for him. I don't think we're seeing him again, you know. I think that that's it for him. But I do agree oh, okay. that what it felt like was that we're setting up Aliyah Kane, right? She's part of the Imperial Amnesty Program. On the surface, she's working with the New Republic and she's getting in their good books. But what we see is that she's actually cold and calculating and she's plotting these things. To Carson Taver, she makes it so that he won't intervene on Navarro because they need the pirate empire or whatever it's called, the pirate nation, for the Imperial plans. And we see her talk to Moff Gideon at the end. It felt like they were going to build to this idea that she springs Moff Gideon from prison because at the end of season two, he gets arrested. But no, we don't do that. And I don't mind that necessarily, but season two ends with Moff Gideon getting captured and then he's 
released off screen. And when you think about all the hanging threads from season two, it's actually really disappointing what they do. Yeah. Moff Gideon gets, <laughs> escapes prison off screen. Din with the Darksaber and the conflict with him and Bo-Katan is resolved so fast in one episode after not talking about it for about five episodes. Bo-Katan and her covert getting the Imperial light cruiser also off screen. They all leave her. And obviously Din and Grogu separating and Grogu training with Luke, all in a different show. It just feels like they decided to change tune and they were like, oh no. Because obviously after Star Wars Celebration, we know that they're going to make a movie and that the movie is going to wrap up part of this story. And that's exciting. But it's also like, it feels like they got bored of the other stuff and they were like, let's let's build to this and we'll just wrap this other stuff up. And again, I think that is disappointing. Yeah, like, I bet everyone was wondering, like, who's going to help Din escape from the Imperial. But no, he just blasts his way out like John Wick in the last <laughs> episode. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. I was convinced that Moff Gideon would take off Din's helmet and it would be a forceful thing. And Din would have to properly, in shame, go back to the Children of the Watch. And that they would look at him and he would think, this is it, it's over for me. And then they would say, no, it's not. And they would put away their stupid helmet rule. And he would finally get to understand that he can be a Mandalorian without it. Because there are some really good moments. Like when the armorer tells Bo-Katan to take her helmet off. And in front of her, she's like, Bo-Katan is still a Mandalorian. Even though she doesn't have her helmet on. And at the end, when Ragnar Vizsla says the creed, he doesn't mention not removing his helmet. But there isn't that big moment where Din, as a character, gets to see that. Gets to feel that. Especially when his whole thing at the beginning of the season is he wants to be redeemed for his transgressions. That's kind of so under the surface. They kind of forget about that we all thought that the children of the watch was a cult i guess they're not i guess that was just what bo-katan called them like in a derogatory way like oh they're a cult but now it's a bit like all right but we haven't really had that moment where they feel not like a cult they haven't really redeemed themselves from that and you know they might decide to do that later on but it was a bit like what like so many yeah. of these big moments just happen in moments not like as an overarching story like, it's a great moment when Bo-Katan takes the Darksaber and she ignites it and everyone rallies behind her. But that just comes out of nowhere. Din's like, hey guys, actually, she can have the Darksaber? Or when Moff Gideon destroys the Darksaber. But there isn't that moment where Bo-Katan realizes, I don't need the Darksaber to rule. Like Din says, he says, I follow you not because of your sword or because of any of this stuff, because of your honor, because you have proven yourself. And there isn't that moment where Bo-Katan as a character gets to accept that for herself. And that just felt like so aggravating and so annoying. Yeah, man, that is... I completely agree. Like, it just gets so quickly resolved, like, up to the finale. And I just felt like that they weren't taking the time with the writing. Like, John Favreau said... I don't know why you said, like, the timeline for Mandalorian. It, it's so confusing. The years between when Grogu yeah. goes with Luke and then he doesn't have a ship for two mm. years. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, I think that John Favreau meant that we haven't seen them in two years because that doesn't make any sense. No, it, does, <laughs> that, it doesn't make there's sense. There's no way that there's no way that Grogu was with Luke for two years. That doesn't that just like doesn't make two sense. Two years. And I can't even remember the good moments about you know you know what I mean? Like after your show, you're mm. just like, hmm, yes, I I just watched a show. That is pretty good. <laughs> and then... Well, we have an email here from Samuel Masson where we can talk about some of the positives because, hey, I want to make it very clear that I do think that there's positives in okay, this Okay, okay. And so... Let's yeah. see what Sam says. All right. All right. 
Hello there, Tom and John. Hope you're both keeping well. The Mandalorian Season 3 seems to be a mixed bag to many people. I personally enjoyed it. I will admit it was a little disjointed at times. I saw one description say Man uh -huh. Season 3 felt like a video game meeting a deadline. <laughs> the episodes that had little <laughs> contribution to the Mandalorian story felt like side quests, and that so long was spent on them that they were almost out of time for the ending, so it felt rushed. <laughs> I'm not sure how you both feel about that. Yeah, we've already talked about. We agree. There were so many great things about this season, though. Seeing Grief Karga and the progression of Navarro was awesome. The Anzellans in their tiny little workshop. Grogu flying off to get Bo-Katan. I'll never get bored of seeing Coruscant, and it was interesting to see the New Republic's rehabilitation program. Mm. Keller and Beck? Need I say more? What a badass. One thing this season did pretty well was help me grow to appreciate Bo-Katan, Axe Woves, and Paz Vizsla. I never really cared for them before, but this season did them justice in my eyes. And of course, the action and music were top-notch. Only a couple minor things from me with this season. I've already said about the disjointedness of it and the ending just seemed to appear out of nowhere. The Darksaber getting destroyed was an odd one for me. So much emphasis yes. was placed on it on the last two seasons and when it was destroyed, that was it. No dismay from Bo or anyone, they just moved on. Another thing I found, maybe it's just me, but is the real Gideon gone? The problem with bad guys making clones is that when they die, how do we know if they're a clone or the original? It probably was the original, but that was my thinking. The last thing I didn't like was the lack of a Back to the Future reference from Christopher Lloyd. What a missed opportunity i was fine with the cameos <laughs> overall overall i enjoyed this season it gave us more star wars which is always a good thing thanks to the pod gentlemen take care sam thanks sam thanks sam yes yeah, uh, so uh what what do, what do we think what are your thoughts on, on what sam's saying actually there are good moments with bo -Katan. you know you got mm. to see more of that in the show like you get to see that interacting with the other mandalorians in yeah uh, in some episodes which i thought that was pretty good you know like seeing her you know with two tribes you know coming together you get to see both worlds and i thought that was a really interesting piece of story that i thought that was really good yeah, know, show, I, I agree. That. In uh, that finale, yeah. which I think the I think the finale, you know, there are definitely decisions like with the dark saber and like with Din not removing his helmet. But I really, really did enjoy the finale. And there's a moment where all the Mandalorians are flying down, and Bo-Katan gets out the dark saber and she points it, and all the Mandalorians, all these tribes, all these people who have always been fighting, who have always been at each other's throats, who have come to a common ground and realized that they shouldn't be focusing on what divides them, they should be focusing on what brings them together. And they come, and it gave me chills. I really, really really loved that definitely yeah that was a great moment and yeah the the concept of the clones was just a bit out of place again like i know it was linking to the scientists it was linking to everything that was happening during that time and it was actually interesting you know this is going to be leading up to the sequel trilogy you know that was all about this clone thing that was explored in briefly explored in Rise of Skywalker uh, with Snoke. <laughs> yes. And, and you mean the pickle jar full of Snokes? Yeah. Yeah, see, I always thought that's yes. where they were going with the cloning yeah. stuff, but I guess it is. Um, I guess, like, yeah. Listen, right? Gideon was stupid in this season. Like, in, he, in a oh, good way. In he a was, good way. He, he was such a goofy, over-the-top villain. When he was like, my clones are perfect, but there's one thing that would make them even better. The Force! I just thought it was so funny. Like, <laughs> I just thought he had, like, Giancarlo Esposito is such a great actor. Oh, he has Giancarlo, such a presence. Yeah. I watched him on stage when I went to Star Wars Celebration. They screened episode seven for us all on the big screen. It was fantastic. And, you know, like, that right there was just so much fun. It was a blast. He's a blast. And him in his suit, you know, flying about and talking about, oh, yeah. I, I've made the best upgrade to the, to the Dark Trooper suit. 
me it's just like it, it's brilliant and yeah i agree i love seeing more from the, the other mandos like paz Vizsla. he's been butting heads with din since episode one it's great to see his development where he eventually sacrifices himself for everybody and i kind of just say this season made me happy to say this is the way again when this is the way, this is the way. when paz Vizsla looks at bokatan and they're all escaping and he turns to her and he says this is the way and then he dies such a spectacular death at the hands of the Praetorian guards, dude. I thought that was so cool, and I I, I, oh, I, I yeah. want to just I, I want to talk about. I think this season was really well directed. I think there's some really, oh yeah really great action. I think Sam is right about that. The action was just so cool. Like there's this one scene where Din is in front of this laser gate, and there's like three oh like, yeah levels, yeah, and he has to fight all of the different Imperial Super Commandos without any weapons, and he's fighting them, and he's like, and they're and they're shooting him, and he's deflecting, and and there's one moment where one falls, and he tries to grab their gun, but he doesn't work, and then R four on the other side is like opening the gates. That was so cool. Yeah, it fully reminded me again of John Wick, but in a good way, like. Because I recently watched uh, John Wick 4, and man, that was a great film. But the action <laughs> in that episode, I thought that was well-directed. Like, yeah, what Sam said, I thought that was great. There's a lot of CGI, there's a lot of, you know, action that is involved with CGI, and it can be very off-putting. But it was well-directed with the fire sequences, with that laser gate. Yeah, that was great. I, I loved it. It was just very, I'm, I'm just going to say, realistic. Yeah. I know this is Star Wars, it's not supposed to be... <laughs> It, it's Star Wars, but I, I want more yeah. realism on my stuff. John, you're sounding like the people in Last Jedi who got angry at, at, <laughs> at, at things because it didn't make sense, because it didn't make scientific sense. Guys, it's Star Wars. Come no. on. Oh god. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, yeah. you know, John, one day we'll talk about The Last Jedi and it's gonna that... be the comments will be on fire. Oh, the and comments I can't wait. will be on fire. I rewatched the last 30 minutes from that movie the other day, just like oh, because yeah. I wanted you... to, and yeah. I was ugh, Absolutely loved it, but no. Coming back to The Mandalorian. This season, it looks to me like they've got a bigger budget. The show just looks great. I feel like I didn't notice the volume too much this this season. Obviously, I did sometimes, but, you know. Yeah, it doesn't look as good as season one, but it, mm. it, there are so many great sequences in the effects. And can I just talk about Pirate Captain Gorion Shard? Oh, with his yeah. face of kale and seaweed. Incredible. <laughs> that guy, he's my ride or die. I'm there for him. And then he died just like that. I was so upset. I was ready. I was ready for him to be like a recurring guy. But no, he was so fantastic. Yeah, I thought that practical effects was just on point. Like, really was. Man, they should do like more practical effects. Like, you can definitely yeah. see that in the original trilogy. There's so many great examples of practical effects all across Star Wars. And I think it's really cool that now we can have CGI effects and practical effects working mm. so well. Like, you know, you've got like Snoke in the same movie as like all the creatures on Kanto bite in, in Last Jedi. You know, that kind of stuff is just mwah, chef's kiss. I think at the end of the day, I take this over a show that really loses me and just isn't interested anymore. This season isn't the best. But it's still mm. a ton of fun, and I had a great time watching it. Like, I'd rather something like this than something like Killing Eve, for example, which started out really, really, really well, but then, to me, it got boring and repetitive. And and this is, like, it, it's definitely a repetitive show, but it's never boring. And I take the dumb action and the weird planets and creatures and, and Moff Gideon's stupid lines. I'd rather that oh than God. boring. Like, to me, this season was better than Book of Boba Fett for that reason alone. I didn't think it was nearly as disappointing as Book of Boba Fett, yeah. And it it wasn't as boring either. 
as much as I do like elements of Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, it's not boring or repetitive. I thought, you know, it was trying to bring in new things, but I thought that was a bit all over the place for me. But the direction for certain episodes were fantastic. Yeah. Episode three and the action in those episodes were well directed, but I think they just needed to work on certain story elements and Mm. character arcs as well, because there's some ones that you can really explore with Bo-Katan and, you know, trying to bring back this whole tribes of Mandalorians and you know they're trying to go into Mandalore and you you want to see them Mm. trying to connect on there and that would be a really interesting story. I really hope we have a more focused season 4 and I think we will do because we've got the movie coming and we've got Ahsoka and we've got Skeleton Crew and I feel like they know where they want to go and let's hope that that means good things and the final thing that I want to talk about is Grogu because basically until episode seven, I didn't think Grogu had any reason to be there. No, like he... I I think this season Bro would have benefited there. so much more. <laughs> I think the season would have benefited so much more from Grogu and Din being apart and Din still missing Grogu and wanting to be back with Grogu. I think that that storyline 100% should have been in this season. But we did get some interesting stuff. As Sam mentioned, we finally know who saved Grogu from the Jedi Temple. Oh, hell yeah. of course, it was I'm a Gundai, the goat himself. He survived the Clone Wars. I thought we were just celebrating, like, not I'm a Gundai. I thought we were just celebrating (laughs) Armin. (laughs) <laughs> That's going to make no sense. If you've listened before to any of our Star Wars episodes, you'll know exactly where that came from. If you're a new <laughs> listener, you think I'm mad. Basically, I'm a Gundai is the best Star Wars character ever, and I love it, and John loves it too, don't bro, you, John? N- bro, I was trying to, like, I was getting really <laughs> excited because I was like, yes. you know, this is like, if you didn't know, this is the same person who was Jar Jar Binks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so this, this is Ahmed Best who played Keller and Beck. Yeah who is actually the person who saves Grogu, not not I'm a Gundai, unfortunately. But yeah, that was just fantastic. The sequence oh, fantastic. was great. It was brilliantly directed. And mm. seeing him and getting him... Like, a lot of people saying, oh, Ahmed Best is redeemed. No, 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 he's not. He doesn't need no. redemption. Like, no. if anything, the fans need redemption for how they treated him. That he yeah. was treated so horribly. And, and, and to see him get justice, almost, was mm. incredible. And it's so good to see him. And that character is actually from a Star Wars game show as well. I don't know if you know that. Oh, um, no called, way. Yeah, called Jedi Temple Challenge, which is on YouTube. And I watched it when it came out. And that's just really fun to see him back. Just, uh, oh, I, cool. I agree with Sam. That was one of the best moments of the season. Yeah, and I think in the last two moment. episodes, Grogu has some great stuff. Like, there's that stupid bit with him. He's got the IG-11 mech, and he's saying, no, 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 and yes, yes, yes. No, 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 yes, yes. It's, I didn't like it, but then they turned that stupid, goofy scene (laughs) into when Paz Vizsla and Axe Woves are fighting, and Grogu separates them, and he says no. And in many ways, Grogu is the best of the Mandalorians. I think in a lot of ways, Grogu sorry, is the sorry. Mandalorian from the title. I just can't stop laughing about that. I know it's supposed to be serious. I know yeah. it's supposed to be like a serious moment. Completely. <laughs> oh, no. It's still goofy as hell. I know it's I know it's supposed to be goofy. And Grogu's like, no, no, <laughs> no. And yeah. It, it, yeah, but no, yeah, that I thought that was a good moment as well. I know the writers are trying to utilize Grogu as a character. You know, you can see the best out of the Mandalorians out of that. And yeah, uh, and I think at the end as well, when he when he parts the fire, which you know calls back to season one, and you know his like way that he protects his family, and and there's that great moment where the Praetorian guards are wailing on him, and Bo-Katan comes in to help Din, and she says, "Go save your kid." That's just really cool, man. And I do think that season four has a lot of potential if they focus those moments and they don't kind of become so muddled with it all. But yeah, 
What are you going to give Mandalorian season three out of ten? Hmm. It's not terrible or boring or fine, but I thought there was a lot of passion. You can definitely see the passion in, in into this. Mm-hmm. Like they wanted to do something with it, but I felt like there was some elements that fell apart. But I yeah. want to say I'm going to get a six out of ten. Yeah, I agree. I think that yeah, you're right. There's there's a lot to be improved upon, and you know it wasn't perfect. But it was fun, it was enjoyable, and there are some really good things in there. It's no Andor, but oh, and who cares? We've got Andor Season 2 coming, you know? And we've got Ahsoka oh coming, we've God. got some really exciting stuff coming. That that stuff is, is, is all going to hopefully be great. But uh, yeah, thank you everybody for listening. If you're listening thank on YouTube you. and you liked it, you can give us a like and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow and give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy. Next week, we're doing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is going to be... I'm. So, uh, you can probably tell from my voice that's going to be so amazing. I can't wait, John. Um, I know. I know that you're not emotionally prepared. No, I saw that clip. Of... I haven't watched the clip yet, but I hear it is I, uh... brutal. Yeah, no. I, I can't wait for that. That's going to be absolutely no, fantastic. I'm not ready. Um, I'm not ready. No. <laughs> and you can send us an email at alstonefilmpod at gmail.com. Yes. Let us know your thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy 3 or ask us any questions and we'll answer right here on the podcast next week. And you can follow us on Instagram at alstonefilmpod to see our incredible thumbnails from Zayn Afzal and on Twitter for more thoughts from me. Thanks to L. Jones Mayer for the excellent theme and Ronan Phillips for vocals as always. And I think that is everything. That is everything. Thank you for listening. Take what you're given. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye.